Last week, we started a two-part series called When Best Laid Plans Unravel, and we talked about the frustrations of seeing our plans get derailed and some ideas on responding to them a little more like Jesus might. Today, we will tackle the frustration of when plans get delayed, and I'll tell you about that one time that hazmat caused a major delay in my plan, and the reason was just plain crazy. Listen in. Welcome to the Unperfect Podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Sneed, and I'm here to help you see glimpses of God's glory among life's imperfections. If you've ever struggled with measuring up to an unattainable standard or wondered where is God during less than perfect circumstances, you're not alone. Hope and probably a bit of humor are coming up. I don't travel by plane a ton, but when I do, there's one word I'm never prepared to hear, and that's the word delayed. It sends me on a panic of elbowing my way through the aircraft, making a mad dash to the next terminal, because connecting flights are never in neighboring terminals. I'm sure there's an amazing logistical reason for that, but I don't know what it is. But this word has an even greater traumatic effect on me with a husband and four kids in tow. So one cold December morning, we were heading home to the southeast after a lovely 10 fun-filled days of Christmas with the coolest in-laws ever at their Yak Ranch in Colorado. And one of my kids was on portable oxygen at the time, that whole trip, just because of the altitude and his weaker lungs then. So when we arrived in Denver from Durango at 10 p.m., we were thankful to be one step closer to home and closer to sea level. However, the dreaded news came from a too calm about disrupting my life voice over the terminal intercom, informing us that our plane was delayed. Actually, this is the message that came across. Please stand by. Hazmat is looking into a problem on board the plane. So here's just a little side note. When I hear the word hazmat, I used to think of like a hazardous waste issue, a biological bomb or weapon, or worse, An airborne pathogen akin to the deadly killer on the movie Outbreak. That is a film that has had me scared of cute little monkeys ever since. So my mama brain began to wonder, do I even want to board this plane once they're through with the search, rescue, and cleanup? And if you're a mom of littles, you know the answer. Of course I did. You'll do anything to get home quickly when you're traveling with kids. You say the plane only has one wing? We can all just sit on the other side then, right? Balance it out. Whatever it takes. Just get us home. So as the minutes dragged on, we realized we weren't going to be making our connecting flight to Nashville. So my husband devised this wondrous complex plan to fly us to Little Rock, rent two cars because they didn't have one that would fit us all, and drive the six hours home from there. He's a genius, an overachieving genius, but a genius. So I began a virtual IV of caffeine to keep me awake for that drive that was going to be ahead of us. So an hour later, we finally boarded the plane only to find out the news that we would arrive in Little Rock after the rental car company closed. So we literally slept all night in the airport, except for me, because remember, I had ingested enough caffeine to keep me awake for the next eight hours. Thankfully, when the rental car company opened, they had a Suburban available. We all fit, which also thankfully had leather seats since my oldest son threw up all the way home. Welcome to my world, people. The Sneeds do not do easy. But you want to know the craziest part, and to this day, I can't get over this. Amazingly, it wasn't when we sat on the runway in Little Rock for half an hour listening to our pilot try to find someone at the airport who was awake to wave us in. No, 
The sanity-breaking moment was when we boarded the hazmat-searched and cleaned plane in Colorado, and the flight attendant stated nonchalantly, Yeah, someone on the last flight left a dirty diaper on board, and you know, I'm not touching that thing. True story. Hazmat was called in to remove a dirty diaper, and it took an hour. I don't even know where to begin. There was an airport full of mommies who'd have grabbed that thing barehanded without a second thought and tossed it effortlessly into the nearest dumpster. My entire trip home from Colorado to Tennessee was waylaid because of one dirty diaper. Isn't that just a perfect picture of life? Sometimes you make your plans, you dream your dreams, and somehow they get delayed. And you know what delay means. It means waiting. And in the words of Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride, I hate waiting. Seriously, I stink at it. But these delays, these in-between times happen a lot, don't they? I mean, I've lived through some pretty frustrating delays in my life, and I imagine you have too. Some in-between times. In between uttering the words, I do, and experiencing a selfless, thriving marriage. In between infertility and a positive pregnancy test. In between the birth of a dream and its actualization. In between prayers for a child's future and seeing them fulfill their potential. Delay just feels like the antithesis of progress. We often can't handle the concept of no forward motion, or at least I can't. So like Sarah in the Bible, we try to manipulate a lesser plan just to get things going since God is taking too long. Interestingly, God's Word sheds light on one of the lengthiest in-between times or delays in history. In Genesis 12, 2, that's where God promises Abraham, I will make you into a great nation. And it happens, but not in his lifetime or his kid's lifetime or his grandkid's lifetime. In fact, y'all, it happens 196 chapters, 312 pages, and 650 years later. That's a long time, folks. I prefer instant gratification. I want immediate indicators that the wheels are turning and the tide is changing. I thrive on motion and I stink at being still. As it turns out, though, a lot was happening in those 650 years in between the promise given and the promise fulfilled. So here's a brief list of things that were happening during that 650 years. There were acts of faith, Displays of impatience, deceit, obedience, imprisonment, slavery, exultation, plagues, miracles, whining, complaining, grumbling. Yeah, these are starting to hit a little closer to home. Construction of God's dwelling place, construction of worthless idols, rebellion, provision, consequences, victories, and defeats. Did you notice all those contradictions in the actions of God's people? They were all over the place, teetering between submission and revolt, experiencing the taste of future glory and the stench of defeats. In fact, the only constant factor during those 650 years was the faithfulness of God. In Joshua 23, God reminded this ever-wandering people that the land they were claiming was one for which they had not labored, contained cities they had not built, yielded vineyards and olives they did not plant, and were won by victories that did not include their bows or swords. He concludes with this reminder, not one word has failed 
of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. In the 650 years of in-between times of delay, God fulfilled every promise He had made to His people. And trust often involves waiting while unfulfilled, believing the promise is good even before we see it realized. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for hope, yahal, is often translated to wait. So when David commands his soul to hope in God, he isn't just giving himself a pep talk. He's telling himself to wait and tarry before God, acknowledging that life includes delays. Our hope is in a God who is worthy of our wait. But I don't wait with wishful thinking. I wait with confidence that not one word has failed of all the promises he's made. I can wait and hope because my faith is in a God whose word cannot fail. Now, I know this is easier to say and believe than to actually practice. So what does this trust look like in just the rawness of daily life and hopes unrealized? Well, Hebrews 11 gives us a glimpse of Abraham's strategy for abiding in hope after he received the promise. It says, By faith, he went to live in tents, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So while God was working out the fulfillment of his promise, the promised land, Abraham did the next right thing. He went to live in a tent, continuing in daily obedience in the little things, while his heart looked ahead to the eternal conclusion. And I'll add here, Abraham never even got to see the promise fulfilled. And I think that's one of the hardest parts of delays is acknowledging and realizing that God keeps his promises, even if they don't come to pass while I'm here on earth. But that's how I long to experience my delays, by putting one foot in front of the other and actively obeying the commands he's given in scripture while trusting his unchanging faithfulness, just doing that next right things. I believe the days, months, and years of sanctification will accomplish their work in my life as I wait that way. God's word says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. That's Proverbs 16, 9. And I'm daily learning to make soft plans and hold them openly to the one who truly works for my good and delights in what brings him glory. I'm learning that my plans often produce fading results while his produce lasting fruit. If I knew what God was up to, it'd be a lot easier to trust his timetable, right? If we look at the story of Lazarus, though, we see God purposefully delaying a healing. That's crazy. This didn't make a lot of sense to Mary and Martha and even to Jesus' other disciples at the time. But now when we look back on it, it makes perfect sense. Lisa Turkhurst once quoted her pastor as saying, Jesus had already shown the world he could heal. Now he needed to show all that he could resurrect. They had to know that. And I love what Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Life. When God wants to make a mushroom, he does it overnight. But when he wants to make a giant oak tree, he takes a hundred years. So my husband's Meemaw, who we all loved and adored, she claimed Psalm 3115a as her life verse. And the verse simply says, my times are in your hands. The word used for time there encapsulates all of our times. It's the same word used in Psalm 34 when David says, I will praise the Lord at all times. And in Psalm 9 when he says, the Lord will be a refuge in times of trouble, good times 
bad times, in-between times, delays. All of my times are in his more than capable hands. We don't have much control over time. We can obviously choose to waste it or to make the most of it, but our times are ultimately in the hands of a God who is never late. The choice to trust him with our timeline is ours to make. And we make that choice moment by moment, doing the next right thing with hope. Hoping inevitably involves waiting, but it also involves believing that God makes good on his promise even when my plans are delayed. I love what Beth Moore says in her book, Whispers of Hope. No one uses timing better than the one who created time. Use every second of the wait to allow the Father to increase your faith and deepen your trust. Stay so close that when he finally says now, he'll only have to whisper. And be encouraged if you're a fellow mama, if only by the fact that you can remove a dirty diaper in a fraction of the time that it takes hazmat. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick rating and review. It only takes a second and it helps other unperfect people like us find the podcast so they can be encouraged too. As always, I'm praying you have a blessed week and are able to see glimpses of glory in the now and the not yet of your unperfect life. See you next time. If you sometimes struggle with living in the tension of the now and the not yet, I've got a free resource just for you called The Unperfect Promises of God. It's a printable download of five biblical meditations to help you find balance between the brokenness we live in and the hope that we have in Jesus. Just click on the link in the show notes and that printable download is yours free. Yay, we love free.